0: Hey everyone! Welcome back to Castle in the Air podcast. I am your host, Kaylin Keeper. Thank you for being here, thank you for coming back, and thank you guys for all the love and support on episodes one and two. That all means the world to me. Um, as I've said a bunch before, this stuff doesn't happen without you guys, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the support. Um... Before we get into episode three, I just want to give a couple quick life updates. First one, if you're watching the YouTube video, you will notice the change in scenery. That's because I just moved home from college, um, about a week-ish ago. So things have been busy, um, that's why this episode hasn't gotten out sooner. But, um, yeah, we're back home now. The UT Tower is not outside my window anymore, unfortunately, but that's okay. Um... Second thing is, I also will be out of town all of next week, so I can't promise an episode next week. But hopefully, as soon as I get back, we'll get right back into it. So um, that's just where things are right now. I didn't expect the beginning of my summer to be this crazy, and in a sense, it's not. But in a sense, it is. Um, but it's okay. We're we're balling, and we're working with what we got. So, that being said, that is my short life update, and I'm ready to get right into it. So, episode three um is basically about identity and personality and all of the different things that make us, us. I have thought, I've been thinking about identity, I think, for the most part since my junior year of high school, um, and I'll, I'll explain why that is, but I know that There was a couple people who told me that they wanted me to talk about this, either identity or like personality and stuff like that, and so I'm going to cover both of those um, in in an interesting fashion. For identity, I have a couple points, and then personality, I just want to touch on a few things, and I'm going to have a few hot takes, but um, bear with me, and we're just going to go for it. So in my 19 years of life, these are all the things that I have learned about identity. Um there's so many different angles that I could go about talking about this. Like I mentioned in the first second episode, um my faith is like the be- the biggest um the biggest source of my identity and I'm going to make a whole episode about that. But what I'm talking about specifically in this episode is my own personal experiences with identity in the past and like how I've come to feel at peace with who I am as a person and just like little nuggets and lessons that shape my thinking about identity. So, um, first thing that I already want to put out there is a resurfacing idea that I think comes up in a lot of the things I think about and talk about. Um, and I mentioned it in the second episode, but it's the idea that your identity does not come from what you do, but who you are first keyword is first because there's a fine line in putting your identity in what you do versus not because obviously as humans we're busy we do things um and we have jobs and we go to school and we play sports and blah 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 and so like that's a big part of our lives is what we do and so naturally I think it's really 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 easy to put our identity in those things and I think like to a certain extent it's good to like pride yourself in what you do and be proud of it and like love what you do. So that's that, but the main thing that I'm going to talk about is what happens when what you do gets taken away. Is your identity still solid? Um so yeah, your identity should come from who you are as a person first and foremost. Um so point number 1 that I have learned, nugget number 1, lesson number 1 is not to put your identity in something temporary and um I'll just tell my story so for 11 years of my life, I would say the biggest aspect my of my identity was the sport that I played and for the people that know me um, I played basketball for 11 years very competitively. I don't want to like brag on myself but just to put it in perspective I played up until my junior year of high school and by the time that I stopped playing, I had seven school records at my high school, and, like, had I continued playing, I could have, like, gone somewhere and played in college, but, um, that's not the point. That's just for context, but, um, obviously basketball was a really big part of my life, and I love basketball. It, it so many just, like, good memories and lessons learned, and a lot, a lot of good came from it, but around my sophomore year of high school, I realized that I didn't want to play in college, which for a long time, like, I thought that was definitely going to be something that happened for me but just around my sophomore year I just I wasn't feeling called to that anymore and I couldn't see myself committing four years um after high school to that especially because at the college level I mean college athletics just are a huge 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 commitment and um I just wanted to focus on my academics which is flash forward what I'm doing now um so I didn't see basketball as something that I could commit to, just all that time and the effort and the energy. Um, and so around this time, just all my thoughts started shifting, and I realized that I think I was putting a little bit too much of my identity in basketball, um, just a little bit more than, I guess, what made me comfortable at the time. And so I started noticing different flags that were telling me this. And something that I noticed is whenever I would talk I, was t- I would talk to friends, or family friends, whatever, and, like, the first thing that everyone wanted to talk to me about was basketball, and, like, oh, how was your basketball game last night, how many points did you score, how's your tournaments going, like, all that is, like, I felt like that's all everyone ever asked me about, and I was, like, wait, there's so much more to me than just the sport that I play, and, like, there's so many other things that I would want to talk about, maybe just for once, but, like, I don't know, maybe I'm being dramatic, but in retrospect, I think I noticed that a lot. Um, And that was unsettling for me because, like, as cliche as this might be, like, there was more to me than just the sport that I played. Um, And I think what even, like, made it worse emotionally for me is, like, when I did decide that I didn't want to play in college and then I got to the point where I didn't want to play my senior year of high school. And I started telling people that and people's reactions were, like really hard, because it was already a lot for me, just the way I had genuinely shaped my life around this sport, and then, like, having to undo that, that was already, like, a lot, that was a process of its own, and then having other people's reactions be what they were was even harder, and I know I shocked a lot of people, which I understand, um, and people would joke with me, and be like, oh, you're wasting your talent, and, like, those types of things, which, honestly, sure, maybe i was but i just wasn't at the point where i could like happily commit for extra years to basketball and so i was like i just want to put myself above this for now and like if i'm wasting my talent so be it um and what really struck me to this day i will i i don't think i'll ever forget this um one of the best reactions that i got was from my basketball trainer and he looked at me i remember him saying after I told him that I didn't want to play, he said, as long as you're happy, sis, I'm happy. And, like, that was all I needed. That meant the world to me because that guy was training me for basketball and he just wanted me to be happy. And if that meant that I wasn't going to play anymore and he wasn't going to train me anymore, then he was fine as long as I was happy. And that just meant the world to me. And, like, in retrospect, it means even more to me now because, like, he understood. Like, he gets it. Um, And so that was really sweet. But anyways, I realized that my problem and why this was such a hard process and why I was so shaken up and other people were so shaken up is because I had put my identity into something that was temporary. Um, And I realized there was going to be a day, even if my day came a little bit early, when I would no longer be able to play basketball, whether that be my junior year of high school or my senior year of college or... Whenever. Like, there comes a day when basketball just wouldn't have been a part of my life anymore. And mine came early, but I think it was so hard because that was my life, and then it wasn't. And I saw the danger, I think, for the first time in putting my identity in something temporary, because as soon as basketball stops, my identity crumbles. That's dramatic. I don't think my identity crumbled, but in a way, in a way it did. And so my senior year, like I said, I didn't play basketball at school, and I just was really intentional about exploring different things that made me happy. Um, As like basketball was no longer my like biggest hobby, even though it was like more than a hobby. Um, But yeah, senior year, I was just leaning into like that freedom. Um, and just exploring different facets of my identity. And that was a really, really sweet thing. But the biggest lesson that I learned from this is, if your identity isn't something that can be taken away at any moment, it's probably not a secure thing to have your identity in in the first place. So, um, if your identity isn't something that you do, poor performance can hinder The way that you see yourself and like i said earlier i think it's okay to pride yourself on your work or like your school or whatever but um a lot of those things make up who we are but it's important that if these things are ever taken away you still like have that strong sense of identity in yourself and you're confident in who you are as a person um regardless of like what you're actually doing i talked about that in episode two like we tend to have this notion that we're not valuable unless we're achieving something or like performing well. Mm, So, so, so not the case and I wish I could like decondition that whole notion from society, but I can't because I'm just a girl. But um, I can at least talk about it. So that was the biggest lesson that I learned from I think just putting my identity in something that was temporary and this doesn't have to be the sport you play or um, anything like that. It's just anything that can be taken away at any moment Um, I'd say just analyze how strong of a thing it is to have your identity in. Like, is that thing still going to be there when you die? And that's why, like, my biggest, um, sense of identity is in my faith, because my faith will outlast me. Like, it will be here so much longer than I'm on this earth. And so, um, that's, that's fulfilling for me. Okay, point number two, um, your identity does not have to be one word. And what I mean by this is that we are complex people, and that means we have complex identities. I love when I'm out with my mom, and people ask her what she does for a living. This just happened the other day. I went to her dentist appointment with her, and her dentist asked her, like, what she does for a living, and we just, like, look at each other and smile, because we get to say, like, oh, a little bit of everything, and she really does do, like, everything, um she is a writer and a speaker and a coach and a mentor and what's cool about my mom is she wears these many hats but she allows herself to change them out with the seasons as she sees fit and she knows there's a season for everything and she doesn't have to do it all at once and she fluctuates in and out of things as she um sees fit and she allows herself to be okay with that and that is a really big lesson i have learned from her um but i think a lot of times we try to like Put our identity in one thing like I was the basketball girl and like that is so cliche I get that but I mean I really was like that's what I was known for and like I think we try to be like really really great and known for one thing um when in reality like we have so many different talents and gifts and it's okay to use them all um and so yeah that's definitely something that I've learned from my mom um, I remember junior year of high school. I stumbled across this quote, and I'm gonna read it um, because it, it changed a lot of thinking for me. So it says, "Be a walking contradiction. Be strong and soft. Be deep and light-hearted. Be beautiful and intelligent. Be confident and humble. Be someone with a quick wit and a cheap sense of humor. Be content climbing a mountain or enjoying the sweetness of doing nothing." The world may try and classify you as one thing because that is far easier to understand than a person who has a little bit of everything in them. And you may feel misunderstood for a while, but just remember, your people can only find you if you are brave enough to be yourself. There are parts of you that you have yet to discover. There is greater love that you have yet to find. There are experiences that are far beyond your imagination, and it's all waiting for you. Life is waiting for you, so set aside your expectation and go explore it. That's from Allie Michelle. She's a poet, and I really like um her writing that I have encountered. So I remember coming across this quote, my junior year of high school, and like immediately something like clicked into place for me because I remember in all my weird junior year teenage angst, I had this odd frustration that I was comprised of like multiple people. Mm, that's not a good way to describe it, I guess. I just felt like I had all these really really different personality traits that weren't cohesive and so I felt like I had all this all these different little people with different personalities all in my body and I'm like which one is really me if that makes any sense it sounds a lot more dramatic than it is but I know like one day I would go like skateboarding around the neighborhood and listen to like ACDC and then the next day I would stay home and like listen to hosier and like journal in bed with tea and a candle and those are like on very opposite ends of the spectrum and so I was like why am, all the, why am I all these like different things like and so for in all my angst I was just like I just want to be like one person I just want to like find my identity already and as soon as I read this quote it clicked for me that all of these different things made up my identity and ever since then I have like felt so much more peace just knowing that like I don't have to settle on one thing and if all these different things make up who I am then that's so okay and it doesn't have to make sense and I think that quote just like described it perfectly for me and it says like set aside your expectations and go explore it go explore life and like I just immediately like set aside all my expectations for like any boxes that I was trying to fit into um and I just really, really realized then I am complex, and we are all complex because we're human beings, and I, I'm i not a huge science girl, but from what I do know about, like, the human body's biology and anatomy, like, we are, like, the most complex creatures ever, and just, like, down to our cells, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy how complex we are, and so, like, naturally, we have these, like, complex identities and personalities, and, I don't know, I've just felt a lot more at peace with that since then. But I remember, like, literally I wrote an essay about this passage my junior year about, like, being a walking contradiction. um, And I still think that, like, sums up my identity today. It It just hit me, like, how much cooler is it to be everything I want to be all up in my little body instead of trying to fit into one single box? And another thing was I found this satisfying pleasure in knowing that like anyone who wants to get to know me has to really try to get to know me and I'm not a straightforward person. And that was a cool little moment for me and it helped me feel a lot more at peace with my identity and it helped me be okay not being tied down. And I found a lot of freedom in that and just allowing yourself to be complex is so okay. We're not simple humans, we're not simple creatures. We really are truly complex. And that brings me to my point number three that I have learned is allow yourself to change. And I... I have always been really, really bad with change. I mean, you can ask anyone who knows me, like, so bad with change. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And what helps me is um looking back on changes that I was afraid of and seeing how good they worked out because like almost every single time change works out for the good um and so that helps me a lot but um I found another quote it's by Austin Kleon and he says Oscar Wilde said that if you know what you want to be then you inevitably become it that is your punishment but if you never know then you can be anything there's a truth to that We are not nouns we are verbs i am not a thing an actor a writer i am a person who does things i write i act and i never know what i'm going to do next i think you can be imprisoned if you think of yourself as a noun and so the oscar wilde quote that he was referring to it says if you want to be a grocer a general or a politician or a judge you will invariably become it that is your punishment if you never know what you want to be if you live what some might call the dynamic life, but what I will call the artistic life, if each day you are unsure of who you are and what you know, you will never become anything, and that is your reward. Um, And that quote struck me as really, really unique at the time that I read it, and I still come back to it a lot because I think it's so anti what society communicates to us. And I, I just think about, like, how often people ask me my major and then immediately like, oh, what do you want to do with that? And I'm like, bold of you to assume that I know what I want to do with it. Because when I when I was a freshman in high school, I didn't know where I wanted to be after high school. And I'm a freshman in college going to be a sophomore and I don't know where I want to be after college. And I, like, I'm so okay with that, but it gets so frustrating when people are like, oh, what do you want to do after college? And I'm like, that's literally three years from now. Why am I gonna predetermine that for myself when like a million things could change between now and then? Um, And that's one way I've gotten a lot better with change because I for sure, for most of my life, had been the type of person to like wanna plan out my whole future like years and years in advance. So it's been a lot, a lot of growth for me to be okay with like not knowing where I wanna be in three years, but now I'm at the point where it's like, please stop asking me where I wanna be in three years because I have no idea. and I'm okay with that. Like like I said, I'm not going to predetermine that for myself. And then like try to force myself down a path that could change so many times between now and then. Um. And like something that used to be really troubling for me is that my identity would not be the same all throughout life. And I'm not even sure why that is because a changing identity now to me like doesn't seem like such a bad idea. Because life changes and we change. And so it only makes sense that, like, our identities change with us, um, and so life became a whole lot easier for me when I realized that, like, change is just so inevitable, and a lot of the times it's for the best, like I said, like, I think about all the change that I've been really afraid of, and I look back on it, and I'm like, wow, so much good has come out of that, um, and I'm still working on it, like, just being okay with change in general, um, But yeah, definitely have experienced a lot of growth, just being okay with where I am and knowing that the future will work itself out. Um, But as for us and our identities, the reality is that humans are always changing. I think just like biologically, we're always changing. Our circumstances are always changing. um, And so we are not meant to be set in stone. And I think our experiences shape us and grow us and teach us things. And so like we're meant to change with that. And um, I think there's actually a freedom in that, just like knowing that as long as you mm, not try to control, but doing your best to grow in a good way from the changes that happen to you, as long as like that's your focus, you're going to be fine and things are going to happen, but you grow from your changes and things are always okay. Um, life is full of different seasons, and just like my mom, I think it's a really valuable thing to know what's valuable in each season, and then just change with that. Okay, um, those are the three biggest lessons that I've learned about identity in my grand 19 years of life. I'm gonna shift gears a little bit now to personality. Um, (laughs) prepare for a couple hot takes. Um, what I'm focusing on specifically today is personality tests, and I'm always a little bit wary of talking about personality tests, but I actually had someone ask me to talk about the Enneagram, and then I, like, kind of did some research, and I went down a couple rabbit holes, and I'm like, oh, wow, I could really talk about this, because, um, I have no means ever been, like, super duper into... Um, just, like, the personality tests, I mean, like, I've taken them, but I don't, I've taken Myers-Briggs, I don't even remember what I am. Um, for those of you wondering, I'm an Enneagram 8, but don't make any assumptions, because I'm gonna get into it, but, um, I, I know I Enneagram is, like, super popular, and so, like, y'all might not like where I'm going with this, um, but... I have always been a little bit cautionate to, like, put my identity in a number, and something- something just always seemed off to me. I've never been super into it, and I, I realized what it- what it is lately. So, I think a lot of times- and PSA, part of this is just me playing devil's advocate because, like, I know everyone loves Graham, and I think there's some good that comes from it too, and I'll talk about that. But I think a lot of times we can place ourselves into boxes, and I think these tests, um, definitely have their benefits, but I think there's a slippery slope in basing your personality on a test that has, like, four options, or, like, nine options, um, because, like I said, I think we're a whole lot more complex than that, and I think it's just a little bit dangerous to, like, define ourselves by, like, the results of those tests, And so, like, again, I just want to PSA, like, I get the benefits of, like, why so many people like it. Like, I think it's an easy way to communicate with other people about yourself, um, and just, like, your basic, maybe, personality traits and, like, strengths and weaknesses. But I don't think, this is my hesitation, I don't think that they can encompass the complexity of humans. Um, and so I did some research, and I found something really interesting, and it's called the Barnum Effect. Um... Or the Forer effect and basically it's defined as a common psychological phenomenon where individuals give high accuracy ratings to descriptions of their personality that supposedly are tailored specifically to them yet which are in fact vague and general enough to apply to a wide range of people and they came up with this concept from an experiment and basically what happened is this psychologist Bertram Forer had his students take a personality test, and then he gave them papers back to each of his students um, that results of the personality test that they had filled out. And he was like, these are all very personalized, right? And so um, when the students received their test scores, for asked them to raise their hands if they thought that the paper had done a good job at describing their personality. And everyone's hands went up. And then he just started to laugh, and he took one of their papers and read it out loud. And what they realized is that every single student in the room had the exact same paper with the exact same description of a personality, and yet they all raised their hands to say that it was accurate for themselves. Um, And basically, like, what he gathered from this is that we can easily, like, be fooled into approving these scientific descriptions of our personalities when in reality, like, they may not be all that accurate. And, like, I, I guess that just confirms, like, what I've always felt about the personality test because, like... I remember when I took Enneagram, and I read 8, and I'm like, okay, some of this checks out. But then I read some of the other ones, and I'm like, wait, that also, like, could describe me pretty well. Like, I could also be that or that. Um, And so, like, I think that just, like, made me a little bit hesitant. Um, But I think my biggest hesitation is what I've been thinking about the past week gearing up for this episode. I was thinking about the fact that there are nine possible options for an Enneagram, right? Like, you're type 1 through 9. And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, there's roughly, like, 7-8 billion people in the wor- world. And if each person, like, hypothetically fits into an Enneagram category, then that means, on average, I would share an Enneagram type with 866 million people. And I know for a fact that I don't have the same personality as 866 million people. And I get that it's, like, a general summary, and it's not 100% like, accurate, and it's not going to encompass everything about me, but, like, I think for some reason it just makes me feel constrained. Um, and the other thing is, like, just some of it was honestly just inaccurate for me, and, like, I remember the biggest strengths and weaknesses for my Enneagram type, like, didn't feel accurate for me. Like, the biggest weakness is lust for a type 8, and I can straight up sit here and say, like, I never struggle with lust. Like, I'm not a lustful person. I never have been, just don't find that a weakness at all for myself. And, like, again, I know it's not sitting here, like, saying, like, oh, I'm 100% predicting your personality, but I don't know. It just makes me hesitant to say I am an Enneagram type 8, you know? Um, I think this is kind of the same reason I don't believe in astrology. Sorry, hot topic again. I know there's astrology people out there, but, um, Um, and also I've never like fully researched astrology, but I just definitely don't think that the cosmos and the time that I was born play much into my personality. I'm an Aries also for those of you wondering, and some of it checks out and some of it doesn't. And like, I just, I don't know. I just have never bought into that. And that's just me. Um, again, like there's only what, like 12 possible, um, zodiac signs and like, I don't have the same personality as millions of other people. So I don't know. That's just me but um i was deeply thinking about these things and what i gathered is that i think we use these quote unquote tools to give us a sense of control and um we actually do this because of something called cognitive bias and it's when we perceive two things to be related when they are not and then we have a bias in our head that tries to confirm it rather than disprove it and so that's when someone like. I don't know. Y'all, y'all aren't gonna like this. This is a hard conversation, but someone will just maybe do something, make a poor choice, and they'll be like, oh, it's because I'm a Gemini. And I'm like, what? I don't know. Hot topics, hot topics. I know y'all are not all gonna agree with me, but like, I just don't think things are that related. Like, I think we're way more complex than that, and I think when we buy into, like, especially astrology, I think that's just like selling ourselves short from, like, who we really are as people, because we're so much more complex than, like, what these systems tell us that we are. Um, (laughs) Dang, I'm sorry, I'm throwing a lot of heat right now, but another hesitation I have um, about the Enneagram, and this is just something I've heard, and, like, um, okay, this I know for sure is that we do not know the origins of the Enneagram test. Um, we, We know two philosophers that we can basically credit it to but like everyone thinks that it existed before them. Um so we don't really know the origins and like why it was created and that's a big thing for me is like I like to know the origins of things and like why they are in place and what purpose they serve. Um and so these two philosophers that are credited with like really developing the Enneagram um again I haven't deep dived this but there's also not a ton of information about this but basically what I gathered is that these guys were both in a cult and they were also on like some sort of drugs, um, and they like said that they created the test when they were in an elevated state of mind. So take that for what you want. But I don't know; it just makes me hesitant because like the origins are unclear. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, and again, I'm sorry. Like I know I'm throwing a lot of heat at like these tests and systems that a lot of people love, but people ask me to talk about personality. And like personality tests, and these are just my opinions. Um, and if anything, just take it as an alternate, al- alternative opinion to your own. And like, you don't have to agree with me; that's totally fine. Anyways, um, some takeaways for you to take with you as far as identity: um, just be careful about putting your identity and things that are temporary. Um, your identity can be complex. We are not simple human beings, so. We don't have to have simple identities. Um, Allow yourself to change. Things are always changing all around us. Everything is always changing and we are always changing. So um, do your best to try to work towards having peace with that because it makes life a whole lot easier. Um, And then lastly, sorry for my hot takes on the personality tests. If anything, like I said, it's just an opposing viewpoint um, to your own that maybe you've never heard before. Um, but yeah, our personalities are very complex and ever-changing. And I just think that, um, we sell ourselves short when we just put ourselves in a little category like that. Um, I feel bad. I might get some heat. I might get some heat for this. I know y'all love the Enneagram test, but, um, like I said, just my opinions. I'm glad we got to have this talk. I, um especially on the identity side, it's something that I'm very passionate about. And we're just all such valuable human beings. And identity is, I think, a really big part of all of us. And it shapes the way that we think about ourselves a lot. So um, I really hope that it's something that can be secure um, and just a positive experience. Um, All that being said, thank you guys for listening. I know this, I'll say it again, this was a hot one. Um, but yeah, if you listened, thank you so much. Um, take it all with a grain of salt. Like I said, I'm not a psychologist, so these are just my personal beliefs. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for being here. Um, like I said, I'll be out of town next week, but um going to keep working and I'll be back with you guys whenever I can.